0: In our ongoing efforts to engage with people from as many different communities as possible, we will speak to guests whose views may variously differ from or align with yours. Green Teacher is an inclusive space and we welcome people from all backgrounds, perspectives and faiths in a collective spirit of collaboration and exploration this is talking with green teachers a show where environmental educators discuss recent developments big ideas and creative approaches to teaching green in this episode
1: i want to start a global movement with young artists that can submit their work to a website that we're still planning and we can put their credits in the description of the art and then just as for either like social justice just justice or uh, like environmental issues. We're still working on it, but I think it's a great idea.
0: There's a terrifying plastic monster growing larger by the day in the North Pacific Ocean. Bogo Mogo is the original creation of Aria Luna, one of the world's youngest exhibiting artists. The quest to defeat Bogo Mogo is the name of the coloring book story, conceptualized by Aria Luna and written by her mom, Brigitte Racine. The coloring book pages were illustrated by Luba Racine Ortoleva. This open-source resource for parents and teachers is all about saving our oceans from plastic pollution. Here is Aria Luna herself reading excerpts from the book, interspersed with a chat Ian had with her and her mom.
1: Many years ago, a monster named Bogo Mogo spawned in the northern Pacific Ocean, in a place humans call the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. No one knew, then, that the small bundle of plastic arms and legs that had begun to move would become one of the greatest menaces to humanity. But first, what is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? It's a vast, free-floating island of trash that has collected in what scientists call the North Pacific Gyre. Did you know that the North Pacific Gyre is the largest ecosystem on the planet? It covers most of the northern Pacific Ocean and spans 20 million square kilometers. It is very difficult to estimate how much trash and plastic are swirling around in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch because the plastic breaks up into tiny pieces called microplastics and sinks slowly to the seedbed. But researchers estimate there are approximately 1.8 trillion pieces of plastic in the patch, weighing an estimated 80,000 tons.
2: So we are here with Aria Luna. One of the youngest exhibiting artists working in the world today and we're specifically here to talk about a story called the quest to defeat bogo mogo now many people out there probably have never heard of bogo mogo and i think it's very important that they do hear about bogo mogo so Arya luna can you please tell us a little bit about bogo mogo look like who he is where he lives how he grows
1: so Bobo Mogo is a plastic monster and spawned in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch and needs plastic to grow bigger and bigger every day and there are also four guardians in the sea who are trying to stop him from getting too big and taking over the seas um, but they can't hold him back for so long because he's getting bigger and bigger every minute. Also um, Bobo Mogo has sharp inject claw printers that inject plastic sludge into the marine life and it turns the marine life into um, plastic zombies.
2: Tell us a bit about the Guardians of the Sea. I know there are are four characters. Two are partly original creations. Well, they're really all original creations, but two are, are real creatures and two are sort of a combination of real and imaginary creatures. So who are the Guardians?
1: So, Coral the sea turtle is a sea turtle with, like, shiny scales on her back, so it reflects sun and kills, like, bad stuff. <laughs> and uh, Finn the sea dragon is a uh, half seahorse, half dragon, and he has special bioenzymes that digest the plastic sludge and turn the marine life back into normal life. There's also Hornet the Dragon Dragoneel who, uh, who is very mysterious and with her fins and tail can create this web of electric poison that hurts Bogo-Mogo. Mogo. <laughs> Mogo. No.
2: It's, a good, it's a good tongue twister. Say Bogo-Mogo ten oh. times fast, right?
1: <laughs> Bogo-Mogo. Um, and then last but not least, there's uh, Mantis the Manta Ray. Who flops her huge uh, wings and makes waves to clean out all the plastic.
2: Have you ever seen a live manta ray?
1: Yes, in Hawaii and I think a couple other places, including Monterey Bay Aquarium.
2: Mantis the manta ray, the guardian of the sea, is much bigger than a real-life manta ray.
1: Yes, she is huge.
2: And I understand that this story all started when you were in art class. And you were, I guess, instructed to paint a seahorse, and you came up with the sea dragon instead. Is is that right? That was the beginning of the story?
1: Well, not really. Um, I already had the story in mind. I was just doing the first piece. And Mm -hmm. I think I came up with it when my mom showed me a video of the plastics in the ocean. Right. I wanted to do an exhibit since last exhibit, uh, I raised funds for the wildfire in 2017. So... I wanted to do another exhibit, this time for the ocean, because it's like the ocean is dying with all the plastic and pollution and so yeah, I just and then when I went to class I came up with the dragon seahorse. It's I didn't want it to be too realistic because I love dragons at the time and I still do. I had this art teacher and she wanted me to draw just a normal seahorse um but seven-year-old me or eight-year-old me decided not to and i said no i'm going to draw a seahorse dragon <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah, i did and i was just defiant and i loved that because um uh, it would have been so much more like realistic with the seahorse and it wouldn't give off like some fantasy Energy or whatever, and I think what I decided to do was a really good idea.
2: I agree. What, what did your teacher think about that?
1: She said, okay, yeah, I actually agree.
2: Well, that's good. Good for you for being defiant about that.
1: Bogomoko Moko can never get enough plastic to eat. He wants to grow as big as he can so he can take over the entire ocean. But because the ocean is so big and the plastic is dispersed so far and wide and deep, he needs help gathering it all. This is why he's turning all the marine creatures he can get his tentacles on into plastic zombies. The plasticized creatures roam the seas looking for more plastic to collect, and bring back to Bogo Mogul so he can grow even bigger into a organism that infiltrates every last one of our seas.
2: So when you learned about plastic in the ocean, was that specifically about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch?
1: Mm, Yeah, and then a few other things, too, about, like, the marine life and, like, how it got polluted.
2: Marine life obviously means a great deal to you. And living in Northern California, you're in a great place to experience a lot of marine life. Do you have any personal favorite creatures in the ocean near where you live?
1: Mm, I like shorebirds and seals and pretty much anything. Um, I like starfish. They're cute. Yeah. Starfish,
2: Starfish are cute.
1: Speaking of sea, seals and sea lions, I actually did an exhibit about that with statues, like fiberglass statues.
2: Tell us about that exhibit because I was reading and that's a, a pretty interesting story.
1: Yeah. So there were 30 statues each. Um, I had one of them, which they're all um, six foot tall. And I named mine Deep Blue after its representation of the ocean, of different ocean and sea light levels. and. All the marine life in it from the twilight zone to the bottom sunlight zone
2: and what was the name of this exhibit because this was part of a, a very large project
1: i think it was just named sea lions of san francisco
2: yeah there aren't too many sea lions uh, where i'm based here inland now i i don't officially say that i'm part of the east coast but i'm sort of an honorary member because i'm on the north shore of lake ontario and technically we're connected to the atlantic ocean although mm-hmm. atlantic ocean has no sea lions just seals We do have lots of shorebirds here, however, and I would imagine you're probably seeing some sanderlings pretty regularly on your beach.
1: Lots of plovers.
2: Yeah, lots of plovers and sandpipers. So fortunately, we do have quite a few of those flying through here on a regular basis as well, and they are a personal favorite of mine. Love the shorebirds. Mm -hmm. Getting back to the Bogo Mogo story, you have made the very interesting decision of making this a coloring book. And the thing that I think is so neat about coloring books is the reader also gets to be a creator. So you're reading the story, but you're also creating. You get to make each character kind of look a little bit different. So why did you decide to make the Bogo Mogo story a coloring book?
1: Well, since the readers, aka creators, they get to read it and then make a perspective of their own understanding of it. So they can understand Mm -hmm. it more clearly instead of just having one main focus, they can make their own, like, deep features and own colors um, so that they can actually enjoy it and understand it and have fun with it and make memories.
2: Yeah, I know a, a lot of my friends and family members have gotten coloring books as adults and just use them for quiet, creative time and I think that's something that a lot of people will be very interested in with your Bogo Mogo story, which isn't just a coloring book, it has the text in the entire story and additional activities.
1: Yeah, it tells a real story and it has a meaning instead of just coloring because that makes it more um, fun for sure and
2: what for you what is the the main meaning of the story
1: um it means that like since plastic is polluting the ocean by our own cause we have to if you make the mess you have to clean it and um -hmm. as we did it ourselves we have to unite and just take it back and solve it because it's our own problem
2: it is and i like that if you make the mess you have to clean it up that's what i was taught when i had to clean my room (laughs) and it makes sense for the ocean which of course we know is just about as important as anywhere the oxygen all the fish that we get from it there's just so many different reasons you mentioned a bit before how you were very defiant in art class and you wanted to not just draw a seahorse which of course is a really amazing creature but you wanted to create a sea dragon and the bogo mogo story and a lot of your art has a mix of both real life and imaginary creatures do you have a preference? Like, do you prefer to paint real life, imaginary animals, kind of a mix of both, or, or has that maybe changed over time?
1: Well, to be honest, if I want to do an exhibit with meaning, I probably do a hybrid of both. And if I just want to, like, doodle or make a singular painting, then I might do real life or maybe with just a hint of imaginary to make it, like, even, not too hyper-realistic and not too imaginary Abstract. Cool. It usually do involve you, a lot of colors and shades, like not just like every color, but a, um, a different range of a shade of color.
2: Do you ever go out into nature and and sketch or draw or paint animals like as you're watching them? So if you go to the beach and and you see sea lions lounging on on the shore, do you ever just directly paint or draw those?
1: Well, not really. Um, when I was four, I saw sea lions at a beach. Um, My mom took me there and then on the way back, I took out my notepad and I started sketching the sea lines. But um, nowadays, I don't really do it because I think I can remember pretty clearly what they look like. Um, And I take the inspiration with me so I don't forget or I just practice to hold on to it and then Mm -hmm. come back home and paint
2: it. So you must have a photographic memory yeah,
1: yeah sure. so ian just to show you i know that the podcast can't see but this is a oregon junco dark-eyed oregon junco yeah. all from
2: memory yeah so it's funny i we've set up this bird feeder just outside our our home office here it's just a pile of sticks and there's all kinds of white crowned sparrows coming to it but also dark-eyed juncos but because we're in southern ontario it's the slate colored aka very boring version of dark-eyed juncos oh, but, i think
1: they're cute
2: well, I, it, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, something that you don't get to see regularly suddenly becomes much more interesting. And we do sometimes see the Oregon junco, which, which you've painted so beautifully. And we can maybe include that image up on our website as well. Uh, the Oregon junco with uh, an all dark head and really nice sort of uh, reddish chestnut brown coloring along the sides, which the slate colored junco of the East does not have, unfortunately. But you're right. They are very cute. And it is always nice when they return for the winter, which was about a month ago. They got back from the north a little over a month ago. Aww. As you know, the winter gets a little chilly up here in the northeast. And having Junko's coming to the bird feeder is a, a nice way to warm the soul.
1: Well, um, there's this one junco that comes to our patio and he has two feathers sticking out of his butt. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it makes him look so unique. And we call him Peppo because why not? He's just so cute and he comes back. I haven't seen him since. He might be migrating already, but yeah, the
2: he probably has a very interesting story to tell with only two little tail feathers.
1: Well, no, he has tail feathers. Just it's sticking out of his back.
2: Oh, out of his back. Oh, okay, well, maybe something tried to attack him and maybe a couple of the feathers got sent askew and in any case, he, he probably if he could talk, could probably tell a, an interesting story.
0: Yeah. It's time for a short break. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, folks. It's Ian here. I just want to let you know about our 2 nonprofit books, Teaching Kids About Climate Change and Teaching Teens About Climate Change. Each one serves as a toolbox with ready-to-use hands-on lessons which are focused on four dimensions of climate change, global warming, climate instability, consequences of global warming, and climatic flip. If you're interested in placing an order, just visit us at greenteacher.com. We also have special rates available for bulk orders.
1: Things are becoming dangerous as increasing numbers of marine animals fall prey to removal. But the sea is wise and powerful. Assaulted by microplastics, billions of zoo and phytoplankton send out distress signals through the waves. The guardians of the sea, the ocean's mythical protectors, awaken from their deep slumber. Finn the sea dragon, Mantis the manta ray coral the sea turtle and the mysterious hornet the dragon eel. each has a special power to hold bogomogo at bay
2: so with the bogomogo story as more and more people get to read it and use it and do the actual coloring what do you hope people learn most from the story
1: mm, besides the coloring and all the activity i want them to learn about the oceans and the plastics and that um to use single-use plastics or just like maybe limit the use at least of all plastics except bioplastics which are great Mm -hmm. but yeah and then they should learn about marine life and take it seriously because there's no planet b i mean the sea gets destroyed we're pretty much screwed because it's the main source of oxygen and we get a lot of seafood from it
2: With regards to the single-use plastics, that's such a tough one, especially now with the pandemic and so many safety precautions and so many people using plastics and rubber gloves and and these sorts of things. And that there's just so much more waste over the past few months. Uh, Do you have any advice that you would give to anybody, young or old, about ways that they can limit single-use plastics even during this time of the pandemic when we seem to be going through so much waste?
1: ask the companies to stop making the plastics and turn into bioplastics that way it's better for everyone and everything um also like maybe not use the bags if you can i recommend like leather bags or fabric bags Um, Masks are fine because you need them no matter what, but try not to like use a lot of masks, like try to reuse them. Gloves you can reuse and wash a few times. Maybe you can make some like arts and crafts out of them.
2: And that's a great idea about reused materials for art. And that fits in with the whole idea of upcycling. And a a good artist friend is actually an art teacher from when I was in high school. That's a big thing that he does is using materials that a lot of people would see as waste and covering them in in wasted paint or used paint and then reusing those materials in installation projects or murals and it's it's creative it's green it's really interesting it's a really interesting story Uh, he actually wrote an article for green teacher i will send you the link it's very interesting
1: all right something needs to be done about the amount of plastic in the patch Coral calls out to Mantis, another guardian of the sea, to help. While Finn biodegrades the plastic and thousands of marine creatures, and Coral makes undersea volcanoes erupt against Bogomogo, something also needs to be done with the vast amounts of plastic still floating in the ocean, because that is what Bogomogo is feeding on and what gives him strength.
2: So, 2020, needless to say, has been a very interesting year, and you had all kinds of plans and exhibitions planned, and many of them were interrupted because of the pandemic. What do you have coming up next in the near future?
1: Amazonas, uh, the jungle exhibit. I still have to work on it, um, but I have a finished Pixel piece. You can find it on my website in exhibits. Um, and it's representing the beauty of the jungle because right now it's in flames, most of it is in. Because um, the wildfires, the jungle is a very, very sacred place because it holds many um, tribes, traditional tribes, and fruit and wildlife. And it also is a great oxygen source, source and it's super beautiful.
2: It Just, is. Have you been there to the Amazon basin?
1: Um, no, not really. I mean, I have went to South America when I was two years old, but I can't quite remember anything.
2: Cause <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah.
1: I want to go there sometime, not now.
2: Yeah. yeah, no no one's doing much traveling at all short term, but yes, hopefully there will be opportunities to go and see the, as you say, a great store of oxygen and, of course, a great source of life, biodiversity, and beautiful birds like the Quetzal that is featured in one of your paintings. Anything yeah. else that you have uh, coming up in the near future?
1: I have Exodus and lots of other... Paintings for Social Justice. Here it is. Um, you can also find it mm-hmm. in my website in the section Our Worlds, Our Times. And, yeah, and I want to start a global movement with young artists that can submit their work to a website that we're still planning, and we can put their credits in the description of the art, and then just as for either like social justice, justice or um, like environmental issues, we're still working on it, but I think it's a great idea.
2: It is, and I hope you're able to connect with many artists all across the world who can share your passion for all things natural, all things wild, and contribute through their creativity a way to conserve and protect them so that we can continue to coexist with them. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Arya Luna, for joining us for this discussion today. It's great hearing about your art, your current projects, your upcoming projects, and your overall mission. It's a big task, but it's one that, as you say, we need to do, because there is certainly no planet B.
1: Thank you so much for interviewing me. Plastic can be broken apart, crushed, washed back ashore, even electrified and injected with deadly toxins. But the lifespan of plastics ranges from 450 years for a plastic water bottle to more than 5,000 years for extruded polystyrene foam. You know, those white styrofoam cups. So Bogo has got time on his side. And that's not even talking about the 300 million tons of new plastic produced every year. The Guardians now need the help of the people who invented plastics in the first place. They need the help of the humans. Specifically, they need your help.
0: Talking with Green Teachers is co-hosted by Ian Shanahan and me, Sofia Vargas-Nessi. We also voice all ads. Ian serves as the show's writer and editor. Our logo design is by Devin Terian. Look for our monthly episodes on greenteacher.com. For access to all episodes, subscribe to Green Teacher and also receive our quarterly magazine, as well as exclusive access to our vast archive of webinars and magazine-back issues. Thank you for joining us on this episode. We'll chat again soon.